This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Nice to have you in the podcast room today. Why, thank you, Mr. Podcaster Voice. Mm-hmm. Your podcast room is very hot. It's very hot. It is, now that you're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was the end of November, and me and Kay did something we haven't done for a year. We sat down in the studio and decided to update you guys A year ago, we told you we were done homesteading. We needed a break. And then, well, we were done homesteading. We were going to hit the road. And what happened? Well, then we got to look like big dummies. (laughs) (laughs) What's a better word for that? Dum-dums is pretty good. I know. You you say that in your emails, though. Foolish when we did none of those things that we said we were going to do. In fact, instead of selling the farm, we ended up having one of the busiest years on the farm since we started it. It's true. This has probably been the busiest year on our homestead since the beginning. We did some huge infrastructure changes. We raised more food than we've ever raised. And we got a cow. What happened? Why did we go from wanting to quit to doubling down and doing more than we ever have before? Find out in today's episode of Homesteady. The world that we live in is a crazy place, but you and me, we can each make it a little better. We can live a more sustainable life. We can become more self-sufficient. We can get more connected with the planet around us. And we can do all of this together. So everybody, cozy up. It's time for another episode of Homesteading. Today's episode of Homesteading is brought to you by Freight Farms. The people at Freight Farms want to help you grow food anywhere with help from the Leafy Green Machine. The Leafy Green Machine is a fully assembled 
vertical hydroponic farming system that is built inside a 40-foot shipping container. Now, why would you go building a hydroponic farm in a shipping container? Well, because it means you can grow food anywhere, anytime. Lettuce, herbs, and hardy greens at a commercial scale in any climate or any location. In the middle of a city, in the middle of winter, you could be running your very own farm. The Leafy Green Machine makes it easy for any individual, community, or organization to grow farm fresh produce year round. If you want to learn more about freight farms, first off, listen to the hydroponic episode we did recently on the Homesteady podcast where we shared their story. Then head over to FreightFarms.com and learn all about the Leafy Green Machine and what it could do for your farm dreams. Having a hard time getting your farm started? Freight Farms is here to help. They have a very handy business plan startup guide designed to make it easier for you to put together a farm business plan something I remember doing that was pretty confusing my first time around. Learn more about the Leafy Green Machine and get the Farm Business Plan Startup Guide all at FreightFarms.com slash homesteady. We were going to take a break from homesteading and uh, the winter came. Usually in the fall we're kind of burnt out and tired of it all. It's a lot of work and you feel like you want to quit. So we took some time, looked at different areas. We kept coming back to how much we like Connecticut, except for the expense of living here. But we like it. We have a nice place to raise our family. And although we found some other houses that we considered, nothing really was as good as what we had. So it was obvious for us that we should just stay here. The idea of going on a cross-country road trip still is something we would love to do with our kids. Yes, it's still very appealing to me. And eventually, I think when they're a little bit older, we'll do it. But our baby is not great in the car seat. And he kind of put us over the edge of not only not looking to move, but we put the idea of going cross-country on hold, too. So maybe in 10 more years, when everyone's older and can remember it, that'll be on the docket. Uh, But once we realized we were staying put and we weren't going to move... We started doing what we always do in January, planning. As soon as those uh, hatchery catalogs start coming, the seed catalogs. The one thing that was really irritating last year, I think for me more than you, was I don't like working in inconvenient areas. I don't like mess all around me. And anyone who has a farm or a homestead knows that that's kind of par for the course. You always end up with things... You're not using, but you might someday, and you need a place to store them, but they get thrown all over the place. So for me, a big thing into starting up with our farm again in the spring was I wanted it to be neat and orderly. This is something that I've noticed on many farms, not just our own. Something about a farmer, I think it's in the genes. He knows he's not going to make a ton of money off of his property. And so any random piece of equipment, old fencing, even the strangest things like an old kid's play set or part of a septic tank, he can't seem to just throw away. Because he knows at some point in the future, he's going to need a shelter for an animal and not be able to afford to build something new. And he can use that piece of scrap. The problem is, year after year, The old swing sets and septic tanks pile up, and you start to look really trashy. One man's junk 
is another man's treasure until that treasure is just a giant pile of junk. Things that all the over the years I had kept. Oh, maybe we'll use that old wrangled fencing. Oh, maybe we'll use that weird plastic tub. We had gotten rid of that because of listing the house. So the farm already was cleaned up. We said this year instead of getting a whole lot more animals and uh, you know trying to do a whole lot of new things, this would be the year of form and function. That was your battle cry that this was year. My battle cry. Perform and function. <laughs> I love me some alliteration. <laughs> So we were going to make sure that everything we did on the farm, every, anything that I built was going to be built right. Anything that I put together would look nice. We would improve how things worked on our farm. And we wanted everything to have a purpose. So the goats were sold. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. We started planning for a much bigger season. And at the same time, you started thinking about bringing on one new animal to the farm. Just one new animal. <laughs> Just one. An animal that would be, say, easier to fence than a goat. Yeah. And would maybe provide a little bit more than a goat. Just one giant animal. Kay has been trying to do the homestead dairy thing for the last four or five years that we've been here. And we did a lot. We dove into the goats and just never panned out. Because they're <laughs> I'm going to just beat that in a little <laughs> No. Yeah, you know, we've been through this before. They're good for people. They're good. Goats are good for some people. With our property and our fencing issues, they were not good for us. Mm-hmm. So this, we started talking about in the early part of this year, so January 2017, that maybe we could start, I could start researching into dairy cows. With the idea that she would do a lot of research and we'd take the next year for form and function. The next two years, And Austin really get said. the farm ready so that, you know, we had the infrastructure in place before a new animal showed up. So this year, no new animals, just form and function. But she could do her research, as much research as she liked. You know how that turns out anytime your significant other says, sure, go ahead, do some research. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a weak man. Coming up on home. With the idea that we'd be getting a cow into that barn, we knew that we would need to be able to get deliveries of hay year-round. We needed a road to the barn. We needed to be able to plow that road. And the barn itself needed to be easier to clean because a gravel or dirt floor is just a nightmare when you got a lot of nasty hay. So we spent the early part of the winter was very mild. So we got to work right away. We cover this entire project over at the Homesteady YouTube channel. If you're not following us on YouTube, by the way, you really should be. We're doing three videos a week right now, and not all of that content makes it here on the podcast. So if you're not following us on YouTube, you're definitely missing out. Head over to YouTube and search Homesteady to find our channel. In this video, we covered the big machine arriving to the property. What, baby? All right, you can go up and see it. Yeah, you, yeah, you can go up and see it too. There you go. Oh, up you go. Just don't turn anything on. Climb in. Don't turn anything on, okay? What do you think, girls? Good. Good. You like that? Yeah. 
Thumbs up. This is a giant excavator. Uh, it's my dad's 210 Hyundai. It's a, look, I mean, just look at the size of this bucket. This bucket is as tall as I am. We're gonna take this giant excavator, we're gonna head to the back here, and we're gonna put a new road in on the homestead, on the farm here, a road backing up to that barn, because if, remember, if, if we get a cow, uh, we need to get hay deliveries to that barn throughout the winter time, and we might wanna deliver round bales of hay, and even if we don't, I just want a road to the barn because all your barns should have a road to them for deliveries of whatever you need, animals. Uh, so this big project now, we're gonna put the road in and then we're gonna do some major uh, changes to this property and install a couple new pastures. Mommy. It's gonna be fun. So let's, let's get in this machine and do some stuff today. Did you catch that? Yeah. If we get a cow, remember that. I jumped in the machine and I got to work. The big machines arrived. We need to put a road from that barn all the way to our existing road. We're gonna do it with this giant machine. All right, I'll be right there. So watch as we, we're gonna clear our path first. We gotta move that big old boulder right there. And then we're gonna dig out a lot of this earth. I gotta set the transit up to make sure we're digging at the right height. And uh, then we're just going to excavate, cut in our road. We might have this road done today, one day. Easy. <laughs> Easy with my hopes. They're fragile. Oh, I know. That's not a plan. That's a hope. It's amazing what you can do with a piece of heavy equipment on the farm. By the end of the day, we could drive to our barn. And that was the first time since we've moved to the property that we could actually get the things we needed to and from the barn with a vehicle. It was a good day. Same shirt, same day, from that barn to our existing road, we have a, our initial cut for the road is in. Get a machine on the property. If you have to rent a machine for a week, if you know how to run it, I'm very fortunate that my dad lets when it's the off season and his machines are sitting, we get to take them up here for the price of a move and uh, the fuel and that sort of thing. So we, we do have a nice setup there and I'm grateful for that. And this whole farm is gonna change because this area here used to be the pasture and down there used to be the road and the barn had no road to it and it was hard to deliver materials. But now it's all gonna change. Now what you see behind me, where the road is and all that area, that's all gonna be pasture at the back of the property. And it'll be a nice long straight row, it'll look good, it'll work great, and it's just gonna be beautiful. So this was day one, the initial cut for the road is in, I can drive that big machine back and forth in here. The beautiful part is we can get our concrete pour for the floor in the barn. If you've been following our, our barn project, we wanna pour the floor with concrete. And then now that this road's here, I can order my concrete truck at any time. And then we lay the a concrete floor on the barn which it's been gravel and that was fine. It's good if you're doing deep litter like we did with the goats, but it's very hard to clean out. We don't have a tractor. So to do that by hand twice a year was very tedious. It was awful. I broke so many pitchforks diving into that pile of heavy hay. Concrete floors are much easier to keep clean. And we've learned this. This is one of the big lessons we've learned over the last couple of years. 
Today's the day for the big pour. The barn is all ready. We've got our wire mesh down. It's raised on the little wire mesh holders. Uh, we have everything leveled, all our forms in place. And now we're just waiting on the concrete truck. Don't micromanage. Here. It was a fun day. We had been working for weeks and weeks in preparation of this concrete pour. And finally, the truck was here and the concrete was getting put down. I had my uncle, who's a mason, helping me that day. And uh, together with my wife, all the kids outside, we had the floor poured. And of course, like all our concrete projects, we ended with getting the handprints. What should we put in front of the barn? Uh, our handprints. We did that in the pig pen, pen, pig pen. So that barn was totally ready. We got an insulated concrete floor, road cut in, and we decided let's put it to use. So because we weren't getting a cow for a few years, I decided we could use it for pigs this year. Normally we get pigs in May because we have a three-sided shelter for them, and any earlier than that, and it's too cold up here for pigs to the eight-week-old piglets to be outside. A couple of years back, we had a batch of pigs get pneumonia, and that was scary, so we didn't want to risk that. Yeah, and that was in May. It was warm, but because of the fluctuations in spring around here, it just, it got sick. So this year, this year, having the barn, we decided, you know what, let's do it. Let's get pigs earlier in the season. Which was in April. Yeah, April, because it'd be nicer to be done. I know hunting season's coming in the fall. I had the idea that I could be done nice and early. Uh, so we did. We got the pigs early. The weather this year was awesome for raising pigs. It was very mild. It was not a cold winter, and it was not an overly hot summer. So the pigs put on weight really just amazing. Biggest pigs we've ever raised. The great weather for growing pigs combined with this awesome feed that we're getting. Uh, we're buying our feed from Stonehouse Grain. They're in the Hudson Valley of New York. They grow grind, mix all of the ingredients to the pig feed. All locally grown, mixed right there on the farm, and then you just go and you buy it by the ton. And it's a very fine mix, so there's no whole seeds in there, which means the pigs can utilize every bit of it. They grow fantastically on it. When I took the pigs to the butcher, I uh, actually had to bring some of the feed because the pigs were going to be there for two days before they were ready to be processed. So I took some feed, and my butcher has actually raised animals in the past. Uh, he has so much experience with raising animals, and then obviously, you know, the butchering side. He was really impressed by the size of the pigs. He said we'd never brought him nicer pigs, but he was blown away by the quality of the feed. He actually said you could tell by the pig's poop. He looked at the poop and there was no feed in it. He said that pig poop was actually just pig poop. There wasn't feed passing through the body. It was easily digested by the pigs. And you could tell because this year's batch of pigs was 100 pounds heavier than our best pigs previously. That meant we could do 
some different things with the processing than we've ever been able to before. We tried out a new processor for half of the smoked meat. We got some nitrate-free bacon and a lot of flavored bacon. So we got four pepper, chipotle, garlic, the cinnamon. Apple, yeah, it's like cinnamon toast crunch bacon. It's yeah, it's amazing. Outrageous. And we got some so- some more link sausages, chorizo, kielbasa. And garlic, you say garlic? Garlic, the garlic, yeah, sausage. Garlic sausage. Which is fantastic to have as just adding to our variety of meat. We have the idea that maybe in a year or two we'll start transitioning to more retail sales. We're getting a little tired of trying to sell whole and half pigs. And at the same time, we could make a lot more money per pound selling retail. We've avoided it for all these years because we didn't feel like having a little store on the property. Uh, but we have some plans for next year, which we'll get into later, which may involve more on-farm uh, people, more on-farm activity. Having more options for our pork would be good for the retail side of things. Because you get people who want to try your pig, and right away, what do they want to try? First thing. Bacon and pork chops. Bacon. I don't even know if people ask for pork chops anymore. Everyone's on this bacon. Bacon, bacon, bacon. And there's only only so much bacon you can get from a pig. Yeah. So if you can offer them something different, like, hey, try this chorizo. People love chorizo. Yeah. Right? People love that chorizo. So we have freezers full of pork, which by the way, if you live near Connecticut and you'd like to put in a pork order, uh, we happily take some bulk orders right now. We have tons of pork in this freezer and some really fancy bacons and sausages. Try the cinnamon bacon. Email me, Austin, this is Homesteady, and uh, we'll talk. We'll make (laughs) some bacon. We tried something new this year. All these last few years we've been hearing, you got to do Red Rangers and you got to try the Rainbow Rangers. And people have been asking us, hey, what about those Rangers? We've been raising Cornish crosses for the last five years. I've honestly never had an issue with the Cornish crosses. I like how they grow. I like the finished carcass. We've never had the mortality that I've read other people have had. Maybe because we're in a more temperate climate, we start them earlier in the spring. So by the end of spring, when it's really getting hot, we're butchering them, which has always worked out well for us. We let them free range. They do great. Yeah, we really have enjoyed Cornish crosses, but people kept saying, hey, what about the Rangers? We figured, you know what, for the sake of some good content, let's try the Rangers. So we ordered 20? 20, 20 25 of them. We had 50 Cornish on order, and because we always order too many chickens, we decided to order 25 (laughs) of the Rangers. 17 new egg layers. Yeah. This place was swimming in chickens this spring. This here is a rainbow ranger, very similar to a red ranger. Any of the rangers are going to be pretty similar, pretty straightforward. You'll notice less breast meat than the Cornish, but still a really good sized chicken. If you compare that to an egg layer of the same age, we have some over there. Uh, The egg layers are just much, much smaller, the commercial breeds. These usually finish not in 12 
not in eight weeks like the Cornish, but somewhere around 12 weeks, which is the age of these birds. They're going to be just about 12 weeks old here. So this is a finished bird. It's not the largest of the bunch, uh, but it is a nice sized chicken and it will make for good eating. Oh, sorry. Touchy subject. This as far as the rangers, we had very, once again, very low mortality. They grew really nicely for us. They, we had them in chicken tractors outside. They forage well. They're not like a heritage breed chicken. They still will sit by the feeder and eat all day, if that's what you let them do. So as far as, they're kind of a step up from a Cornish. And maybe that makes people feel a little better. Because yeah. the internet's awash with people saying Cornish are, are terrible, unthrifty, cruel way to raise chickens. But... They look nice. They're a nice-looking bird. They plucked nice. They dressed nice. They were huge. Yeah, the final product was awesome, which, in the end of the day, I was more concerned about the final product. Uh, and the, they're the same thing as a Cornish cross. They're a hybrid bird that has been bred for years and years to grow bigger. However, they do look a little less like a big, waddling, stumbling, obese person. I... Once they get to a certain weight, they grew as big as our Cornish did. Some even grew bigger. They're yeah. huge birds. Yeah. They're still a big, fat bird. Yeah. But a little bit less of a... They look a little better. That's yeah, why people love them. They're still... You're not going to breed your own rangers because they're, they've been developed through years and years of research. And yeah. So if you're looking for, like, I want to raise my own this and butcher them... Go with a hair, a larger heritage breed. Yeah, you still can't have your own flock of repeating rangers. But if you want a different bird than the Cornish, if you don't like the way they look, essentially if you don't like Cornish for some reason, rangers are great. We did find there is a slight difference in quality of meat. It's a little darker, but it's so hard to tell the difference. It really is. Like, I, I can't look at the two, except for... Sometimes you can find a pin feather on the rainbows that's a little darker, and that's how I'll know. They do take four more weeks to raise. So if you're looking for fast turnover, you can't beat the Cornish. But if you want to try something different, we actually may do rangers again. We haven't really discussed this at length yet, but um, they're, we're, we tried them and we were impressed. I was totally impressed by them. They, the end carcass is gorgeous. It is just as good as what the Cornish does for you. The one thing we did find was raising them side by side. I would keep, like we keep our egg layers at a, after a certain age separate from the Cornish. Because the Cornish are very placid. They're not aggressive at all. So the Rainbow Rangers would pick and peck at the Cornish. Right. Whereas the Cornish kind of just want to leave everybody alone and just eat. So if you're raising Cornish and Rangers together know that you might have to end up separating them especially if you get the rangers which you should if you're going to get cornish rangers for the same butcher day you need to get the rangers four weeks early which means they'll have a big head start on them and the roosters so, will be a little aggressive towards the cornish the end of the day rainbow ranger red ranger whatever ranger you're doing really great carcass a little bit longer to get to that final finished weight little bit better of a forager, but not like crazy. Your customers, if you're selling to customers, they may prefer 
aesthetically the look of the ranger because it looks like this brown beautiful you know farm raised bird some may like that look it may be easier to advertise that for your farm they definitely at the end when you're loading them into that trailer for butcher day they look more like a traditional chicken yeah they don't look so conventional yep so if it's if you got a, a, a crowd of people who really care about that then thumbs up on that if it's just for your own family and you're looking for the quickest dollar into the freezer, you still can't eat lunch. In just a minute, we're going to share with you the experience we had with raising turkeys this year. And what is probably the funniest part of this episode is coming up. But first, I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you to the Homesteady Pioneers. We can't do this show without you. If you would like to be a Homesteady Pioneer, it's $5 a month right now. In return for $5 a month helping us to produce this show uh, that you love and that you listen to, you get bonus episodes of the podcast. And we have a really cool new feature. So the minute you become a Pioneer, the first $5 you give us you gain access to the Pioneer Library. If you click on the podcast tab up at the top, you'll be brought to a section where you have access to bonus episodes of this podcast, not available anywhere else, just to the Pioneers. Now, previously, you had to go and find each one of those episodes and listen to it streaming from our website. But now we have a really handy one-click download feature. So click on Podcasts, Go to the top of the podcast page and you'll see a little message from me saying, if you want to download every bonus episode of this podcast, click here. You'll be directed to a Google Drive folder, which is protected for only you pioneers. And you'll be able to download 20 new episodes of this podcast. Boom, one click. So if you want to have 20 new episodes of Home Study to listen to, and of course, all the new ones we make in the next year, Head on over to thisishomesteady.com. Click on Pioneers at the top. Become a Pioneer. We cannot do this show without you guys. Thank you so much. Let's talk about turkeys. All right. Turkeys was, once again, our journey into turkeys was riddled with devastation (laughs) drama we're not meant to be a turkey farm it always sounds good in in the winter you know to think of turkeys and it's like a a 40 pound chicken yeah well this was for our son this was going to be his big enterprise this year were turkeys he decided to take the step up from egg layers selling eggs and i don't know why we went straight to turkeys before chickens do you i think it was austin's idea you know, it's just something different. Yeah, it seemed like something he could market. Um, you know, in the fall, everybody wants to get a big turkey, and my we really encourage our kids. We don't pay them an allowance. We let them have farm businesses because in the real world, you don't. You know, if you're at your job, that's like an allowance. But if you're going to be an entrepreneur, sometimes you make money, sometimes you lose money. So we're trying to train them to be entrepreneurs. Yeah, young. I guess so. And uh, so instead of doing the allowance thing where, hey, no matter what happens, here's your 10 bucks, uh, we give them a chance to have a little business. So 
He's been running his egg business for the last few years, selling eggs, keeping the egg money, taking care of the chickens. We said you could take some of that money, put it towards turkeys, and, you know, come fall, sell everybody you know one big turkey, and uh, you make out like a bandit. (laughs) Talk about counting your turkeys. I always tell Austin, don't count your chicks before they hatch. But here he is. So we ordered our turkeys. Uh, We went to the post office. We grabbed our turkeys, brought them back. Opened the box and... Right away there were a few dead ones already. Yeah, they were already... And the rest of them did not look good. We unpacked them quickly, got them in the heat right away. But over the next six hours, they just died one after the other. Finally, there were three remaining ones. And we brought them inside. An hour later into the evening, did you say the one died? Yeah. The two survived, and they looked good. And they kept growing and growing, and our son kept caring for them, caring for them and raising them. So we raised the turkeys with the, the ducklings we had, and they did great. The turkeys did really good, and they grew quickly. They got big. Unfortunately... Or fortunately, I don't know what you're looking for in your turkey. They were super personable. And they kind of thought they were people. Because of the fact that we had to bring them inside and we kept them inside, I think they, what do you call it, imprint? They imprinted on us. And they became very friendly in a way that turkeys are friendly. So they treated us like their fellow turkeys. And the way turkeys are friendly is by pecking you and clawing you. (laughs) So as they got bigger, the one, the female turkey became nicknamed Peck because she would come over and peck at shiny stuff. Anything shiny. Diamond rings, pedicures. We'd have guests and be like, nope, don't wear sandals. The larger Tom... He was named Gobble, for the obvious reasons. And as time went on, he became a bit more of a Tom. He wasn't a Tom, he was a Jake. He still is a Jake. So Why? Because he never myself. got it on? Well, no, he's, you know, a year-old turkey's a Jake. Oh, he's almost a Tom? But he's getting there. I don't know if we'll let him get there, though. Um, so anyway, Gobble, the male, got really big, and then he started getting... Aggressive? Aggressive is the right word to say. So obviously we have our, our you know, four little kids at, in the yard running around, and this big Tom turkey started walking over to him. And he's, you know, he's a commercial breed of turkey, so he's not very athletic. <laughs> so we weren't too worried he was going to really hurt anybody. But he would start puffing up and then, like, making a run at them and doing a little kick with his fat little legs. <laughs> <laughs> and our poor... Uh, three-year-old daughter. Or uh, 18-month-old first. Oh, did he get hit first? Yeah, I remember. He got scratched. Oh. First, he went after our little guy, our 18-month-old, posturing, puffing up, and, like, scratching his feet. He got him. He actually scratched him. Poor little guy. And that caught us off guard because we didn't, you know, he hadn't done anything like that before. But now we knew, okay, let's keep him away from the little guy. So we have been, but now our three-year-old daughter she's never been hurt by the turkey but she is petrified because 
You know, kids are afraid of roosters, especially if you have a mean rooster. Imagine a rooster when you're three years old that's as tall as you are. <laughs> it's like this giant chicken running at you and puffing up at you. It's a monster of her nightmare. And he's not fast. <laughs> he's really slow. We'll be, we'll be at the house. We'll come home from, like, our friend's house at night. The turkey is in the coop, you know, at the back of the property. Locked away. And she'll be like... Daddy, hold my hand. I'm afraid of turkey. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's always waiting, ready Somewhere to attack. <laughs> the ghost in the darkness. <laughs> That'd be a great movie. We should make a skit. I might do a little... I'm definitely going to do a trailer for a movie here. What would the movie be called? The Ghost in the Darkness is so good. That was a movie already. I though. know it oh, was. So That's why it's so funny. Because wasn't that about a lion. tiger? The lion. A lion. I love that movie. Oh my god. Holy. They're doing it for the pleasure. They are not lions. They are turkeys. I know, right? How many do you think they've killed? Hundred. Maybe more. Do we wish the world to think that the builders of the British Empire are afraid because of a few minor difficulties with the local wildlife? <laughs> I'm going to locate Remington. I assume you've heard of him. We're ready! Shoot him! Michael Douglas. Val Kilmer. And the turkey, the gobble, and the darkness. Now, can you control your fear? Can you? That's Ghost right. in the Darkness is one of my favorite movies growing really? up. And then one year we had the skunk that was getting into yeah. our garbage. So me and my buddies pretended we were the Ghost in the Darkness guys hunting the skunk. But we were hunting a skunk with rubber band guns. Oh man, you guys were <laughs> so smart. Uh, our parents let us do it. Of course they did. <laughs> the kids do the chicken chores. It's their chickens, their eggs, their money. And so they close the birds in at night. And uh, I think Peck got somehow the door closed before she was in. And the next morning we just found feathers. So Peck didn't make it. Uh, we still have Gobble. Uh, he is a giant now. I've been meaning to butcher him because my poor little girl is terrified. Um, that's probably going to be... By the time you hear this podcast, that probably will have been done. And that's probably a video that you can see in the YouTube channel. So if you want to see Gobble meet his demise... You don't enjoy killing, do you? Then why do it? <laughs> Because I've got a gift. And to see what we do with all that yummy turkey meat, head over to the YouTube channel and uh, type in turkey in the Homesteady YouTube channel. Or click on the thisishomesteady.com, check out the blog post, we'll have it embedded in there. We also, we also did ducks again this year. It had been years since we did ducks. 
for meat. So we got some pecans. We didn't do them since the first time because there's no one around here that butchers ducks. And they're notoriously difficult to butcher as far as plucking goes. We were going to be better this year. We were going to pay attention to the timing so that it was right at the right time to butcher them and then take care of it. Uh, they're great. Ducks are so... Especially when you really work out your brooding system, so you're making sure they're not all getting wet. We have a really good video on our brooding system. If you want to see, check out our YouTube channel for the duck brooding, not gross. And they're very cute. You know, ducks are cute, and then they're awkward, and then they're cute again, little Aflac ducks. So it's not as easy butchering them for us as it is for the chickens because they have a little bit more personality. We've had a duck episode before yeah, where it was described as, yeah, good. like... Back last year when we did our duck episode, I was talking to my good friends, Joe and Lauren, about ducks and the difference between the duck and the chicken. And they were explaining why they prefer ducks. For me, I'm not making a lot of money off of the animals, so mm. I have to just enjoy them. I just enjoy watching them. I think they're hilarious. I get the duck eggs as a benefit, but I like to watch, just watch them. Jack, our three-year-old, gets attacked by the chickens every time we go out. The ducks have never attacked him. Yeah, I just like having them. Um, he likes to feed them and play with them. Yeah, so, okay, imagine a chicken's pecker. Oh, don't even. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're called I'm beaks, okay. Joseph. <laughs> I had to say that because it's so true. Why would you do that? Okay. All right. (laughs) Okay. You know, I'm leaving that in. (laughs) I hope you are. All right. So anyways. So like if you imagine. I want to make a bumper sticker. (laughs) Imagine a chicken specker. When have you ever in your mind been like, okay, I want to put some feet in my hand and feed a chicken. No, you look at their... They're beaks, and it's sharp and looks like it would hurt you and draw blood. A duck, you know, it's their bill. Like, it feels like someone's tickling your hand. And they will... (laughs) You're just thinking pecker. That's all you're thinking about. (laughs) It's a tickling pecker. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) Okay, but with the the duck, you can pick up the feed, and they'll come to you. Peckers. <laughs> yeah. The ducks are just so much more friendly seeming yeah. and just nicer. They're just like little waddly yeah. innocent ducks. And I don't enjoy butchering. I, I them. butcher a lot of my own animals and I understand it and I'm not judging anybody. I do it all the time. But something about the ducks, it just gets to me more. And uh, this year we did meat ducks and it's like, you know what? We can buy duck once in a while from a nearby farm. This next bit, we talk about uh, butchering the ducks and things that go awry. And if you have young kids, you might want to fast forward five minutes. So we had six pecans and three Muscovies to butcher. Remember that? Yeah. And remember butchering those Muscovy ducks? Oh, man. They did not die. They were like zombie ducks. You You would cut them and they would bleed out and like... Five minutes later, they'd like. It was, you know, you cut off a chicken's neck and it runs around. Austin had put the duck in the cone, this slit its throat, 
lots of blood loss hanging there still perfectly still and Austin you know keeps the eyes shut to make it a calm experience <laughs> I'm doing it to you now <laughs> what are you going to do with me? keep your Just eyes shut my eyes what's going on here this is good content. So, only, so only take a minute. Uh, and um, the duck was still. And so he let go of the duck. He stepped back. And all of a sudden, it starts flapping its wings. It flips itself out of the, the killing cone, lands on the ground, and starts walking away. Yeah, that was creepy. <laughs> we can make a lot of horror movies off this farm. Affleck! Affleck! It was brutal, and I had to, like, with a net, capture a duck that had no blood left in it, and, like, stab its heart with a Stop, is that what you did? Oh, I get it, like a vampire. (laughs) I was like, I don't remember that. Ooh. Dude, is that how you kill a vampire, a garlic steak? I don't think it's a garlic, no, garlic wards them off. The wooden steak is, oh. to the heart is what kills them. I was thinking of like a steak in garlic. And that's you mean like a grilled steak? steak. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll do meat ducks again. I love having duck, but I don't... Hate butchering ducks and the process and actually killing your ducks. All in all, plus we learned this year I'm allergic to duck eggs. Oh, we should mention this. We had a fan who wrote us and told us after our duck episode, hey guys, I loved your duck episode, but I'm allergic to duck eggs. I went back and found this letter. It was a letter from Nathan back in 2016. He wrote me and told me the story of his family. They had chickens. They wound up getting some ducks. And they were so pleased when the females finally started laying one egg per day. They were more reliable layers than the chickens. They were enjoying the eggs, the eggs so big they could barely fit into Nathan's hand. He says, around this time I started to get sick. My stomach would turn and the trots would start and I would be miserable for hours or even days. A few weeks later, he gets to meet with his doctor. He tells him the symptoms, back pain, the runs, vomiting. It was brutal. He asked if it was associated with anything he ate. Nathan didn't know, so he started to pay attention to what he was eating. He was losing weight. The pain was enough to wake him up out of a dead sleep in the middle of the night. It was really bad. They even checked to see if his gallbladder was still working. He lost 20 pounds in about three months. He was at the end of his rope without any solution in sight when his wife made cookies. This is an old family recipe, tried and true. He knows there's nothing wrong with these cookies. Well, the recipe's so good he couldn't help himself from having a little bit of the batter. Five minutes later, he balled up in agony. His wife said she followed the recipe exactly. There was nothing in it but butter, flour, sugar, and eggs. All of a sudden, it occurred to me, he says, what kind of eggs? One chicken and one duck. That one duck egg was the only difference between this raw cookie dough that had me writhing on the couch in agony and every other batch I had ever stuffed into my happy face for years. We agreed that it was worth testing. We laid off eating duck eggs for a few days. I felt better. Then one Saturday, I ate nothing but one hard-boiled duck egg for breakfast by itself with water to drink. I was sick again within a few minutes. We finally had our culprit. Well... I was getting these crazy stomach aches. We didn't know why. And we pinpointed it to the duck eggs. 
So I think ducks, we were abducted. I mean, we made the t-shirt. I loved having ducks on this farm. But we can't have them for eggs, and we don't want to do them for meat. So I think the years of the ducks on our farm is pretty much, maybe we'll have two. Yeah, I feel like we'll keep Muscovies because I like having them. I think they're cute, personable, and they're our daughters, so we're stuck with them. We'll have two Muscovies just as decoration. Love those decoration animals. We got a sleepy baby here with us. We're going to try to fit in the last, most important part of this update while our one-and-a-half-year-old wakes up. You weren't going to get a cow this year. Well, you said I couldn't get one this year. Well, I said, you know, the smart thing is to make sure that you have the proper infrastructure in place first. Yeah, and we had it all in uh, place. You had everything you needed, and you'd done your research, and you were totally ready. Yep, I totally did all of that. (laughs) I wouldn't say you had all your infrastructure. Yeah, what else did we need? I don't know, a stanchion? Yeah. Well, fortunately, I found a cow that didn't need a stanchion right away, right? The floor hadn't even been poured in the barn. And you were like, so, I got this cow opportunity. Cow opportunity. It was a such a good deal. It was like too good to pass up. But I asked the lady if I could bring her home in a dog crate. And I don't think she liked that. <laughs> I didn't know how big a calf was at that age, but I guess she was a little bigger than the dog crate size. So she's like, maybe she's not the right cow for you to start out on. But we finally decided that maybe a cow would be the way to go that was already trained so we could be able to, if we got a bred cow, be able to be milking sooner rather than later. We had been, um, you had been doing a lot of research on this, and I was pretty clear I, I wasn't interested in getting back in the dairy game. I had been burned enough. Um, but over these last, well, this is our 10th year of marriage now, I'd always had uh, plenty of hobbies and hunting and fishing and the outdoors and all these things that keep me busy and occupied. And you all these years have been taking care of our babies and raising these babies. Not that I wasn't involved in that too. <laughs> But you didn't have anything that you were involved in that was just you time. And so I was not interested in getting back into dairy, but I was totally interested in you having a hobby. And so I kind of said, you know what, this is up to you. If you want to get it, do the research. And you did. You researched and you came to the conclusion that it would probably be best for you to get a full-size cow. Well, not a large cow we're not set up here we don't have the space to have a couple of holsteins running around or anything and we did a lot of cow field trips we went to see a lot of different cow operations we went we saw mini jerseys we saw dexters oh yeah we saw devon cross we saw holstein i was pretty sure i wanted jersey milk jersey cream and the size of a jersey. Yeah, I, I really like the size of the mid-sized jersey or the heritage-sized jersey, which you were looking at. We went and visited a farm up the road that had mini jerseys, and I really fell in love with them. They were really nice animals. But you definitely sold me when you started talking about the difference in the milk. When you started explaining, you know, Devin versus Randall versus this or that, you never know. When it comes to cream, you can't beat the jersey. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, we're going to do this home dairy. We want more than milk. We want cream. Cream. 
butter, yogurt, all these things that with the goat dairy we couldn't do. And my thought was if we were going to get back into this, if we were going to go through all the work to get a dairy operation going again, you got to have the cream. Yeah, so we focused on what we wanted. We really wanted cream. And the jersey was for us. We found a farm in Virginia who we, I was talking with. I really liked how everything was tested and guaranteed free of diseases. Their herd had been free and closed. So we ended up going with them, Misty Morning Farm in Virginia. And they delivered our cow, Ladybug, in May. You decided on Ladybug. Tell us a little bit about her and why you went with her. Because she was budget friendly. <laughs> if you've ever shopped for a mini jersey or a small jersey, you can you know that finding a bread mini jersey from a disease-free herd is very expensive. The farm up the road from us is asking around $6,000, which for us is much more than we would want to invest in a cow, especially for our first time. So the farm that I was speaking to, Faith told me they had, she's not a mini jersey, she's a small jersey, and she is blind in her left eye. She had pink eye as a calf, and she ended up going blind in that eye. So knowing that we had experience with farm animals, I've had horses when I was younger, knowing that we were experienced with them, that made her comfortable enough to have the assurance that we would be able to handle Ladybug. She's been great. She's, you haven't, you can't even tell she's blind in that eye. She's not super spooky or anything. Once in a while she'll kind of turn her head if she doesn't see you there and bump you, but that hardly ever happens. She's been perfect for us. Uh, first of all, keeping a cow has been so much easier than keeping goats. We, yeah. we had issues with the goats getting out of the fencing all the time, getting into poisonous plants that... Killing themselves. For, for us, our, wood, our woods are surrounded. Our property is surrounded by other properties where they're full of poisonous plants. So if the, Yeah, if the goats get out, which they insist on doing all the time, they could get poisoned and die, which happened a couple times. Goats are impossible to fence. Cows... One strand of electric, just one piece of twine, and she respects. She don't even go near it. No, it's not even electrified where I'm keeping her now with the twine, but uh, she respects it. <laughs> we did have a scare early on. The second day she was here, day day two of owning this, just we had her in the barn, and I walked out in the morning, and she was on the wrong side of the barn, and we were still just getting used to dealing with a cow. So to walk in, open the doors, and right there there's a cow face at me. I was terrified. And I was like, what happened? Well, she popped the gate off of its hinges and had eaten a, the feed that had been left for her. And we didn't remember, all right, how much grain was here? How full was this bag? We had a camera installed in the barn, a, uh, and we were looking, reviewing the footage, trying to figure it out. We just couldn't tell, so we were really worried. If a cow eats too much, it can upset the balance in their stomach and it could get them really sick. But she was fine. Yeah. A couple of calls to the vet, you know, a couple of days pass and she, no big deal. And since then it has really been easy, easy with her easy right with up her. until the birth. We've noticed a change in uh, her bag size. Her teats are no longer wrinkled. They're firm. 
something in the ligaments in her back. Kendra's done more of the research on this than me. I'm just along to film. But it looks like today is going to be the day that we have a calf and a journey that's been years in the making. We've been trying to get milk on our homestead. We've messed around with goats in the past. We've messed around with different goats, big ones, small ones, ones that, how's the coconut song go? <laughs> Hopefully it'll be the day that our good quality Jersey milk arrives on farm. So let's see, stay tuned. Perfect day. The weather was gorgeous. For November. First week yeah. of November. First week of November. It was like 60 degrees out. Warm. And it really, for me, it was a special moment. I've been working for so long, you know, building my business so that I could be at home, work at home, from my homestead. And here I got to sit outside. I had my laptop. I was getting work done. But I get to sit outside on this beautiful, gorgeous day and just watch the cow, you know, check her progress. And uh, it just epitomized like all I had been working for for so long, and everything was going smoothly and perfectly. And I look up, and there's this bubble coming out <laughs> of her butt, and I just, I, I like almost dropped my computer. I'm yelling, "Come on, come on!" <laughs> Something coming out. You coming? <laughs> all right. So the first water bag came out. We rushed all the kids out to watch. We were all sitting there watching, and she pushed and pushed and we saw the little hoops and that was a relief because then I knew the calf was presenting right and I wouldn't have to go in there and try to move the calf to have right, it we're getting really close here easier she just the water sacks passed we're seeing milk come out gonna be a calf here soon we really were hoping for a heifer because of the obvious reason now you have this cute little calf on the farm and if you have a heifer, well, now you can raise this calf up for your own herd, keep growing your herd, get her bred, have more and more, and you don't have to think about, all right, we got this cute little calf that we're gonna turn into, you know, steak. <laughs> so. But we had still, we didn't want to get our hopes up too much, so we kept calling it him. Before it was born, we said, well, when the calf comes, we'll have to put him somewhere, him and him. So the calf was out and we, Pulled the, the goo off of her and I checked. There it is, it's breathing oh, close. It's alive. It's breathing. Good girl, ladybug. It's a girl. This Luna, Ladybug's like a mid-sized jersey. Mm, yeah. This heifer is going to probably wind up measuring up as a mini jersey. So we'll have a mid-size and a mini. She, her, because her mom, I have to get her registered. Her mom is Ladybug. So we were going with the bug theme for the name. And on her, her, uh, her side, her flank, there's a white spot that looks, when I look at it, it looks like a, a Luna moth. Little Ladybug, Luna moth. It was perfect. Yep. So she's Luna. Little La Luna mom. Ladybug and Luna. And since then, obviously, once the, the calf comes, so does the milk. And this is always the thing. When you get into the dairy game, if you buy an animal that's not yet in milk, there's always that wonder. All right, is this going to be good milk? 
Is it going to be good quality? Are we going to get a lot of it? Is she going to be a good milker? You were really nervous going into that first week of milking because of our past experiences. We've had nothing but problem after problem with the goat dairy situation. I kept telling myself, I'm going to, this is going to be frustrating. It's not going to go well. I didn't want to have too high of expectations because I wanted eventually to like it. So I knew if I prepared myself for the worst, I could only be surprised if anything good <laughs> happened. So sad. This is what we've learned from six years of homesteading. But that's the way it usually goes. First goat we ever had, I had to tie her to the fence post. And she was not a small goat. She was a full-size La Mancha and she's strong. To milk her was just an exercise in futility. There was I couldn't get anything from her. No. She'd be dancing around, kicking and fussing. It was awful. Kendra has a theory, we got to research this, um, that the term kicked the bucket, when people say, oh, what happened to so-and-so? Oh, she kicked the bucket. Case theory is that this originated with animals that were being milked, and if they kept kicking the bucket... <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't keep one to kick the bucket. It's a lot of work that goes into that milk. It turns out that that's probably not how that term originated. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Anyways, I just Googled it, so I know you will too now. Yeah, she's been great. She doesn't kick. She'll lift her foot up. I feed her while she's while I'm milking her, so she stands really good. I made her a feed box and give her a scoop of feed, and the whole time I'm milking, by hand, she's just eating. Hardly lifts a foot even. And that cow milks perfect, and her milk is gold. <laughs> that milk is so good. The flavor is amazing. The quality of the milk and the cream is amazing. And since we've been getting all this milk, we've been making butter, we've been making cheese. Soft cheeses. I do not, I've not advanced to the world of hard cheese making yet. I, I am milking by hand, so there's been a learning curve to that. Just getting my hand strength built up. <laughs> Her back teats are a little shorter than the front one. So the front, I can squeeze like you see normal person milking a cow, squeeze your whole hand. The back ones, I have to squeeze my thumb and first finger together and kind of pinch the top of the teat and then pull down. It's called strip milking. So I'm getting some crazy calluses on both of my thumbs from that. But I will be giving excellent thumbs up from now on. <laughs> Siskel and Kendra give it two incredibly strong thumbs up. <laughs> This comes full circle. From the studio that brought you the ghost in the darkness comes the sequel about a turkey so fearsome it would strike terror in children. I was there. The devil has come to Savile. Siskel and Kendra Martin give it two incredibly strong cow-milking thumbs up. The, the Gobble and, and the, the darkness. darkness. Coming to theaters this Thanksgiving.
everyone <laughs> listening, the room is full of children. We have our uh, our one and <laughs> half year old is now awake. He's in the room dancing. Our three year old is playing a little guitar in the background. Five. Our five year old has been feeding the baby as a good older sister should. All these kids here in the recording studio. Can you say hi, guys? Hi. Three year old's playing guitar in the background. It's telling me it's time to finish up our yearly update. A little bit different than last year. I think people will be less angry about this episode. <laughs> uh, we'll sign off here and then I'll come back on at the end, guys, and I'll give you a few updates for the next year, what to expect from Homesteady. Guys, you want to say, uh... oh yeah, do the sign off. You guys know the sign off of the show? What does Daddy, Daddy say says at the end of the, the show? The road is rocky. And we can say, make home steady. Right? Make home you guys remember that? Yeah. All right, so let's do this all together. So, uh, Home Steady is produced by myself and my... No, Home Steady is produced by my wife, Kay, and myself. I'm Aust, and I'm Home Steady. And until next time, remember, the road is rocky. Make home steady. Let's try that again. Let's do that one more time. Okay. Ready? As Here. long as we're finishing out the show, let me remind you there's an excellent blog post recap by Alexia, the suburban escapee. Over at thisishomestudy.com with all the links. Uh, you can see the links to the different videos we talked about in today's episode. And be sure to check out the Homestudy YouTube channel. You heard in this episode we played a lot of excerpts from videos on our channel. They're really fun, so go check it out. Search Homestudy in YouTube. And of course, thanks to Allison Holly for help editing the podcast and getting it to you guys. All right, kids, let's do this. Stop playing the banjo. Creepily. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the creepiest banjo. <laughs> Okay, Homesteady is produced by my wife Kay and myself. I'm Aust and I'm Homesteady. And if you are too, be sure to share it with us. Hashtag your social media posts. I am Homesteady. Make Homesteady. Nope. And until next time, remember the road is rocky. Make Make Homesteady. We'll see you next year. All the kids are up, so you got just me now for the end of the show here. What to expect? for 2018 from the Homesteady Farm and from our show. Well, you probably already heard the last episode, that our uh, short announcement episode there. I am officially doing Homesteady full-time. I'm going to be honest, it's a little scary. I've been working towards this for the last couple of years, and uh, it's been growing and growing and growing. Very special thanks to the Homesteady Pioneers for getting us to this point. If you're excited about this, the idea that I'm going to be doing Homesteady full-time uh, not for my sake, but for yours, meaning more Homesteady content, two podcast episodes a month as opposed to the one that we've been doing, and probably two videos on YouTube and a live stream every week. If you love Homesteady and you want us to be able to do it, we're doing this for a trial period of three months. You can make sure this sticks around for good by heading over to thisishomesteady.com and becoming a pioneer. It is five bucks a month. With that, you gain access to all the Pioneers-only content, which the Pioneers-only content is uh, bonus podcast episodes that you can't get on iTunes, bonus videos, classes and courses. Some of them I teach on the areas that I have some expertise in, but a lot of them are taught by other people who have way more expertise than me. And discounts from our Homesteady vendors, people like Power Plucker, Farmer Brad, 
and uh, farm marketing solutions, all those things, 10% off raising chicken equipment and books and knowledge and hydroponic systems and plants for Northeast Edible. But a big change that's coming to the Pioneer program, a huge addition for 2018, we are going to open up a Pioneers only forum. So that means every day at thisishomesteady.com, if you're a pioneer, you can sign into the forum, chat with other pioneers and myself. The reason I wanted to start the forum was because I realized over time I've been emailing different homesteady pioneers and chatting with them about different things and getting advice from them from in different areas, things that I'm new to but they've been doing for a while. And I realized, man, these pioneers they themselves are such a good resource. And I've had the pleasure to be chatting with them over different topics and different things. Uh, just an example, the reason that we bought our cow, one of the reasons we found the farm we did was thanks to one of our homesteady pioneers, Emily, uh, who helped support the show. Uh, but she already had bought a cow from Misty Morning, and she said, you got to check these people out. they got great animals. So I was thinking, how can I bring out all these people together because they can help each other out so much. So now we have a Pioneers-only forum. I am busy ironing out all the final details, getting it to work just right. If you're a pioneer and you want in, uh, it will open. the doors will open in January. If you want to be a tester, email me, aust at thisishomesteady.com, and say, hey, aust, I want to test out the forum. Let me in early, and uh, I'll let you in a little bit early to try testing it out. I need a few people to help me work out the kinks. But we're going to open up this forum. I'll be in it every day answering questions. And when I don't know the answer, I'll be forwarding on your questions to other pioneers who are there. People like Jared, uh, the foraging beard, who was interviewed back in our foraging episode. He'll be there in the forum. Alexia will be in that forum, no doubt, the suburban escapee. We'll probably have a whole thread all about leaving suburban life where we get Alexia to run that thing. So you can see Alexia in the forum. So a lot of great people for you to meet. And if you want in early, remember, Pioneers, email me, Austin, this is Homesteady, and I'll let you in as a sneak peek. We'll get Accountant Mike in there in the forum for some Q&As, help you out some, with some of your farm decisions. It's going to be an incredible resource, and I'm really excited to dive in, spend time every day talking with you, Homesteady Pioneers, but most importantly, bringing you guys together because you'll be able to help each other out way more than I alone ever could. If you want to join us for this fun, become a pioneer now. It is only five bucks a month. Uh, we really want to get you more homesteady, more of all that you love, uh, and we can do that with your help. So thank you for considering to become a pioneer. And if you can't be a pioneer, you support us through sharing the show. That's huge for, through listening. Uh, and you can, of course, do your shopping. Before you go to Amazon, head to amsteady.com. Uh, that will forward you onto Amazon, and we'll get an affiliate bonus for sending you there. Now, as far as our farm plans go, if you're interested to hear about what to expect from the Homesteady Farm next year, well, stay tuned because a future podcast, we will talk about our plans for the farm in 2018. And you should listen for that sometime in January or February when all those um, pamphlets start showing up, when you start getting the catalogs for chickens in your mailbox. Uh, right about that time, we'll release an episode where we tell you our plans uh, because we're still ironing them out. And if we do an episode now, it would be like telling you that we're all done homesteading only to double down and have the biggest year of homesteading that we've ever had, ever. <laughs> Thank you so much for helping us get to this point, guys. I am thrilled to be doing homesteading full-time. 
and I really hope we can make it work. So with your help, we can do that. If you want to help us, you know what to do.